2: I just think that all of us are trying to find our voice, and that's been a part of my journey as well. So, even those women that may struggle to find their own leadership voice, I think we do have both an opportunity and, in, in many ways, I think an obligation to lift up our voices in solidarity and support in service to one another.
3: That was Michelle Nunn, CEO of Care USA. The acclaimed nonprofit that's fighting poverty around the world. And Michelle's lessons on leadership are worth eating. She heads a global enterprise that last year alone touched more than 90 million people. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history making women you need to hear. You may have heard of care packages. They were invented by the organization after World War II to feed starving people in Europe. Since then, care has been at the forefront of humanitarian crises wherever they happen, as well as innovating for long-term development and social justice. Michelle is proof of how much good can happen when people come together to make a difference. Before joining CARE in 2015, she co-founded what became a national volunteer network called Hands On Atlanta. It later merged with Points of Light, the world's largest organization dedicated to volunteer service, and Michelle became its CEO. Listen and learn why Michelle Nunn is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm so thrilled to be here today with an exceptional leader. I'm here with the president and CEO of CARE, Michelle Nunn. Michelle, it's really wonderful to have you with us.
2: I'm so delighted to be with you, Milan. Thank you for the opportunity.
3: I know that everyone has heard of CARE, but perhaps in your own words, you could tell us what CARE does.
2: Yes. You know, I think almost everybody has heard of a care package. They've received a care package. They've sent a care package. But most people don't know that the origin of that idea of a care package actually came from the organization CARE that started 75 years ago this spring. Actually, Uh, a small group of Americans said we're not going to stand on the sidelines and watch as people face starvation in post-World War II Europe. And we're going to do something. And their idea of doing something was to create the care package. And within a few months of organizing, they figured out how to get 20,000 care packages from Philadelphia to Le Havre, France. And that was the beginning of a journey that included the delivery of over a hundred million care packages, both in post-World War II Europe, but then more broadly. And then over time, we've become an organization that does continued emergency response work, but also long-term development. And so our mission is to save lives and defeat poverty and achieve social justice. And we have found that when we center our work on women and girls, that we really do have a exponentially more powerful impact on families and on communities and on nations. So um, we work in 100 countries. And last year, we touched and and reached and supported more than 90 million people. So it's a really extraordinary um, institution and legacy. And the care package, I think, is just an icon of of true solidarity and generosity between people.
3: You know, an icon and really a powerful symbol of still caring. And uh, I frankly don't know where our world would be without care. So To you and all of the millions who um, work with CARE, we all owe you a debt of gratitude. We're really thrilled another way to have you with us today, Michelle, and that's because we're currently celebrating Women's History Month. And you have a very exciting campaign at CARE for this month with a great partner. Can you tell us about that?
2: We do. We've had such a a great month and such an opportunity in partnership with uh, P&G to celebrate Women's History Month. And um, we were able to do a remake of the really wonderful anthem, I'm Every Woman, with Shaka Khan, and this time with Shaka Khan and Adina Menzel. And they did a beautiful video celebrating women around the world and the power and resiliency and leadership of women. And along with that, we've had a series of speakers, and we've issued a report on um, how corporations can help meet the gender equality goal that's been set for the Sustainable Development Goals, Development Goal 5. And so it's been this wonderful combination of celebration, but also really pointing us towards what are some of the actions that we need to take collectively to make sure that we really do stay on track towards our goal of true gender equality.
3: So it is a call to action as well. That's terrific. It is.
2: And I think we all are feeling the import of this call to action, especially since we've seen some of the inequalities laid bare so in such, uh, to such powerful effect over the last year with COVID. And I think also realize that we are in danger of falling back if we don't proactively uh, seize the moment.
3: Well, since you mentioned COVID, let's talk about that a little bit because it has had such a disproportionate impact on women exposing deep inequalities that continue to exist and exacerbating them in many ways. And I wonder, because the organization does so much to lift up the lives of women and girls around the world, how has the pandemic affected your work? Uh, Have you had to pivot in any way? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the impacts you've seen globally.
2: Yes. Um, well, I think we've all been impacted, and every organization has had to change and pivot. For Care, you know, just a little over a year ago, we launched a campaign to try and address the impact of COVID around the world. Over that year, we have uh, done programming in sixty-nine countries, reached over thirty million people, and that's everything from building tens of thousands of hand-washing stations uh, for those who didn't have access to um, to clean hygiene, water, soap, etc., to dealing with the secondary dimensions of the pandemic, everything from hunger to loss of livelihood to gender-based violence, and now are gearing up around um, vaccinations around the world.
3: And is that process moving forward? I know it's, there are many, many worries about ensuring that the people of the world get vaccinated as well, because. None of us is safe until everybody's safe.
2: Yes, so CARE is so concerned with and focused on ensuring that we have a fast and equitable vaccine around the world. And we are uh, working to ensure that we, uh, we tackle that both from an advocacy perspective to ensure that we have the coordination and the resources and investment in vaccinations around the world, and also that we're thinking about it from a gender perspective, because the majority of caregivers that are going to be both paid and unpaid delivering vaccines around the world are women. And so um, we are we are actually working uh, for care itself to help deliver over 60 million vaccinations, especially focused on low income countries. But I think, as you said, um, we can't wait until 2024, 2025, which is sort of the current rate at which we are acting uh, to uh, to get to the point where the world is once again safe. And that will cost us enormous Uh, number of lives, and also economy and, and security for all of us. So we have to tackle it together.
3: So just like this crisis with COVID, CARE has a long history of activism and amazing support during humanitarian crises of all kinds. And I wonder what you learned from previous crises, like Ebola, for example. Has that helped during this period? Are there lessons that have been learned? from the past, so to speak?
2: I think there are so many lessons, and it's really important, I think, that we uh, that we take those into account. And um, they are, for instance, that we do have to invest. In the first uh, six months or so, really nine months of, of this pandemic, America had invested about the equivalent in terms of our entire worldwide investment to this uh, COVID nineteen, as we invested in four countries for Ebola, so we have to invest. We have to uh, we have to think about this from uh, the um, the community trust perspective. And we see this in the United States, but we also know that uh, as we think about around the world, we have to build the community trust, ensure that we are. Um, engaging community members and especially women community leaders as um, as critical bridges towards this. We have to think about lessons around, for instance, the displacement of healthcare in in uh, West Africa. For example, we. Uh, We learned that more women died in childbirth than they did from the D's itself during the the Ebola epidemic because they didn't have access uh, to things like family planning and or to uh, the access to hospitals. So these are just a few of the lessons. And I think most importantly, what we realize, and we're seeing this now, that countries that had already geared up and built up their health infrastructure around Ebola, for example, are doing better now with COVID-19. So we have to invest in the local health infrastructure over the long term to ensure that we are prepared for uh, whatever global pandemic is to come and also that we are safeguarding the health equities around the world.
3: So interesting to learn from the past to inform the future and the present. You know, our listeners love hearing about our guests and you're such a strong leader, Michelle. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What was it in your background or in growing up? that made you the person you are today taking on this enormous assignment with care?
2: Yeah. I mean, I come from a family of community service. I have a father who served in the Senate for 24 years. I have a mother who is an incredible uh, women's activist and advocate um, uh, for uh, all of her life. And, um, and so uh, I think service comes naturally to me. I loved volunteering when I was uh, when I was young. I uh, When I graduated from college, I met a group of people who were trying to reinvent new ways for people to volunteer. And we started a local civic action hub called Hands on Atlanta that grew into a network of about 60 organizations around the country. And I, I was the CEO or founding director of that. And eventually we merged it with President George H.W. Bush's Points of Light organization. And I ran... That what was the largest organization dedicated to volunteer service. I was um, I was fortunate enough to to uh, to seize the opportunity to run for the Senate as a Democrat in 2014. Uh, it was obviously not successful in my run, but um, feel so grateful for that experience and encourage women everywhere to run for office. And uh, it was so um, wonderful to see the uh, John Ossoff and, and Raphael Warnock to. Uh, to to have that opportunity to see the mobilization of grassroots over many years that that came to uh, to fulfillment in 2020, and then I have been fortunate to to uh, to then have this platform of care, which I think has the most important mission I can possibly think of in the world. And um, so that's been a, ba- a bit about my journey. I think service is sort of the, the underlying d- denomination of everything that I've done. But I would also say that that, um, especially for women leaders that, that I've a reticent leader. Um, you know, I, uh, in, in elementary school, when we were all asked to, uh, to run for, for, uh, sixth grade class president, I declined. I didn't want to face the potential of failure. And I, 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 I just think um, that, uh, that all of us are trying to find our voice and that's been a part of my journey as well. So even those, those women that, that may struggle to find their own leadership voice, I think um, we do have uh, both an opportunity and in, in many ways, I think an obligation to lift up our voices in solidarity and support uh, in service um, to one another. And, and that's, been, um, that's been a part of my journey as well.
3: Seneca's 100 Women To Hear will be back after this short break.
1: We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude.
2: You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.
0: Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away.
3: I'm so glad you mentioned that sense of perhaps lacking in confidence because of the fear of failure and often comes up in terms of women's leadership that we need to find ways to make failure our friend, but we're, we're constant achievers and we don't want to take those risks. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about what it was like to run for the Senate. What did that experience teach you, for example?
2: Yeah, it's it is a, a extraordinary experience, I think, to um, to be a part of a political process and to have the opportunity to to be a part of a movement of citizens who want to make a difference. And um, and it is harrowing. You know, it is also frightening. I mean, speaking of of embracing the possibility of failure, you're doing that in such a public way. And I think back on my sixth grade self and then, you know, project forward to giving a concession speech on election night. And, um, and I think what you, what, what I learned is that, um, that we, you know, that we can endure failure and that we can move through it. And, uh, I, I tell the story of waking up the next morning, just exhausted and depleted and my, to then younger children coming in, jumping on the bed and saying, "We're so sorry you lost," but um, my son saying, "You know, I think it would make us all feel better if you bought me a, a, a iPhone," and my and my daughter saying, well, "You know, I'll feel better if we have banana pancakes," and we move through these things, and um, and then we also become examples for our children that we can uh, that we can face. Um, failure with resilience, and also that we can um, land on our feet and and move on to the next challenge and and be enriched by the the experience and and also that we also all recognize that we're part of a continuum of change um and I think of for instance Georgia politics, whatever your ideology you have to uh political ideology you have to to sort of see the trajectory of change that so many people have been a part of, and some people have to lose their campaign or their, uh, their initiative or their, um, you know, organizational effort in order for somebody eventually to win the day. And I think that's a part of what we all need to, um, you know, frame up for ourselves, even when it's hard.
3: So well said. And I think that's such an important lesson for all of us, truly. Let's talk a little bit about care because you do such extraordinary work around the world. And I wonder if you could tell us some specific stories, perhaps of individuals whose lives have changed. I know when I've traveled and come into contact with care projects and the people engaged in them, I always leave tremendously inspired. Can you give us a little flavor?
2: There's so many women that uh that come to mind, and yes, we are so fortunate to have had the experience of of um meeting some of the the women champions that might not be on the headlines, but that are kind of weaving the story of change in places around the world. So one that comes to mind for me is uh, a woman named Anna Lopez, who's from Guatemala. Um, she grew up on a farm and um, supporting her, her family with uh, delivering of handicrafts. But she's grown into become a founding member of a production cooperative that focuses on soya production. Um, and she's now part of this cooperative, helped form it with its all-female members. Um, they produce a whole set of, of products, everything from milk and cheese and biscuits and pancakes, and, uh, as well as cosmetics, from soybean derivatives. Um, and along the way, they've helped fight malnutrition and issues of hunger in their own community, and they've lifted up the production capacity of the members themselves, and they've become advocates for changing legislation to better equip and open up markets and financing for women farmers in Guatemala. So she's, to me, a perfect example of the possibilities uh, and what happens when you equip a single change agent. And how that ripples out in the world. And there's so many others like that. You know, one of my favorite stories is going to Afghanistan and sitting in a small, tiny little village in a community with a school where girls were going to school for the first time, elementary school. There were boys on one side, girls on one side, all sitting cross-legged. And one of my colleagues asked after we'd said, you know, what's your favorite subject? What do you like most about school? Uh, He asked, who's the smartest in the class? And, uh, and, you know, I thought, Oh, how are they going to answer this question? Well, this little girl gets up from the back row, and she she like the C parts, uh, and she walks up and she presents herself and she says, I'm the smartest in the class. And everybody, you know, all of the little girls, the teacher, the parents, they all nodded affirmatively. Effort- yes, she's the smartest in the class. And to me, you know, that's a perfect example also of, the, of you know, imagine the, uh, the potential and the unrealized potential when we're not fully giving girls and women the opportunity, but to be the smartest in the class and how much um, we have to gain when we enable everyone to have that opportunity.
3: I know that so often care puts together trips with decision makers so that they can see with their own eyes what a difference it makes using America's soft power, if you will, to really demonstrate our own leadership and upholding our values and and making the kinds of contributions we make as people through care.
2: We see all the time when we bring congressional leaders and policymakers, as you say, to see the work that they become absolutely both believers and advocates for. And everything from, oh, I now realize why it's important for mothers and fathers to have the opportunity to plan and space their pregnancies, to now I can see why U.S. investment has such a high leverage here and, as you say, is a part of our, of truly um, a, a sort of soft power that uh, that is incalculable in terms of both goodwill but also influence and living into our I think, um, moral aspirations to stand in solidarity with people around the world. And I think again, hearkening back to that care package, you know, America at its best. Um, I think Madeline Albright said that, you know, some of the best gifts America, she t- talked about Coca-Cola and Jazz and the care package, right? This is who we are at our best, these sort of iconic demonstrations of something that we believe is the nation at its best, and that is investing in, standing in solidarity with and leading in the world.
3: Absolutely, and those are such powerful symbols that Care Package sums everything up in terms of what it represents. We always run out of time, regrettably, but let me ask you before uh, we have to bid goodbye to you about how you keep going. What gives you hope? After all, we're confronting so many challenges both at home and around the world today, what you see, you see inspiration when you travel because you see how people are becoming empowered and able to make a difference in their own lives, even with very little often. But also there are these tremendous challenges and you see the dark side of things too, you know, how people are suffering. So what gives you hope, Michelle?
2: Well, I think it is the extraordinary resilience of the women and families and men that I meet around the world. And one of my Favorite change agents is a woman named Salamatu who was 14 when she was married, had five children by the time she was 20, was living in desperate poverty, and found a way of uh, working with care, of taking out a very small one or two dollar loan in a saving circle that we put together, and became a businesswoman who's been able to send her children to school, bought her older children a taxi. And on top of that, she has started these savings groups for 4,000 women in Cote d'Ivoire. And so that kind of change is possible through uh, leaders and resilience and when we stand together. And um, and so that that gives me hope. And one of my favorite sayings from the last year is from a group of uh, women in these savings groups in West Africa who were enumerating all of the challenges they were facing, which overwhelming. And then there, but what they ended with is that, Impossible is not for us. And that's the spirit that I take heart in.
3: That's a wonderful note to end on. And again, many, many thanks for being with us. You're truly an example, an example of leadership, civic engagement, commitment to service, those values that matter so much. So thank you for all you do to lead care and to call on our listeners for all that we can do to CARE and to support CARE. Thank you so much, Michelle Nunn. Thank you, Milan. It's
2: wonderful to be with you.
3: What an incredible impact Michelle has had with CARE USA. Here are three things I took from today's conversation. First, Michelle shows how an organization can pivot quickly to respond to COVID. CARE is working to deliver 60 million vaccinations especially to low-income countries. And the organization is putting a focus on meeting the needs of women. As Michelle says, the majority of caregivers delivering vaccines around the world are women. Second, Michelle's career offers great lessons in leadership. As she learned from her unsuccessful run for the United States Senate, failure is nothing to fear. Rather, we should see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. Michelle tells us we can face failure with resilience and land on our feet and move on to the next challenge and be enriched by the experience. Finally, as women and human beings, we all have an obligation to lift our voices in support of one another. And even though some of us may struggle to find our voice, It's more than worth the effort. In fact, those are the moments that reflect the best in us. To learn more about the great work of CARE, including its amazing campaign for Women's History Month, visit care.org and care.org slash everywoman. And tune in next Thursday to hear about our next featured woman, and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.